Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, my guest today is a 911 dispatcher of 20 years for the Provo, Utah Police and Fire Dispatch Center. She advanced to senior dispatcher status in July of 2003, and then in 2005 she was promoted to the role of shift supervisor. During her years as a dispatcher, she has had the opportunity to be involved in many different aspects of the dispatch center. She is a post-certified communications training officer as well as a certified post-instructor. Instructor. She has served as the police department's head terminal agency coordinator for the Bureau of Criminal Investigation and ran the the emergency medical dispatcher quality assurance program for her department for four years. She has served on on advisory committees within her department for training, peer support, and as a member of the chief's advisory committee. She is currently a founding member of of the department's peer support and stress management team and served on the Association of Public Communications Officials National Awards Committee for five years. She was also given the prestigious honor of being named Utah's Supervisor of the Year for the association in 2013. In 2019, she took over hiring and training for the dispatch center. One of the most important things she has learned about this job is it is important to make the dispatch environment a place where employees want to work. Please help me in welcoming a woman who you want to be your very best friend when things aren't so right in your life. Heather Perkins, and her husband, Reed, a neurosurgery nurse of eight years. Welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. It's good to have you. Uh, I want to read to you, you to be a part of this as well because of perhaps how this, your wife's career impacts your family. Okay. And of course, you guys' careers are not totally uh, unrelated. Yep. So um, give me a little history about why, why you got into this. How does someone... Do you just sign up one day at a <laughs> high school career class? No. So actually, when Reed and I first got married, I was managing a movie theater. And they moved me to a different theater than the one I had been working at. And it was very run down. And the equipment broke all the time. And like you couldn't even make it through a viewing of a movie without the equipment breaking and having to like be fixed and restarted. And... I was sick of, ironically, people yelling at me. (laughs) So one night I was walking out of work and I just thought, no, you know what, I'm done. And I picked up a newspaper. As I've learned from being in charge of the recruitment and training program at our work, nobody puts jobs. That's not where people go to find jobs anymore. It's all online now. But at the time, 20 years ago, I picked up a newspaper and was just looking through, seeing what else was out there. And it was advertised and I knew nothing about it, had never thought of it of even existing let alone being a career opportunity but I thought oh that sounds interesting so I'll give it a try and here I am (laughs) so for the benefit of our younger readers a newspaper is (laughs) paper that had words printed on it and that's you had to read that and it wasn't on a little magical device much like the internet but something that was folded and you could hold in your hands (laughs) ancient Facebook yes ancient Facebook Um, so tell me about like your first months and years into the job, what what did, what was that like? What, what, and what kind of training do you go through? Do you have to go through like anger management classes or what? What do you got to do to <laughs> No, to do so this? Um, 
the nice thing I think about dispatching as a career is that you don't need to have any previous training to be able to do it. Our requirements are just that you type 40 words a minute and that you have um, a high school diploma or GED and that you can pass a background check and get so certified by post um, and that's it. We do everything else, all the and training on the job because nobody grows up and says, oh, I want to be a dispatcher when I grow up. And post is what again? Oh, I'm sorry. Police officers, standards and training. Okay. Ability to type 40 words a minute. Okay. And then a high school diploma or GED. And then all the rest of the training we give you on the job. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. What does that look like? Okay. Um, so one of the things that we do is we give you your CPR certification. We also put you through uh, medical training. It's called EMD or emergency medical dispatch training. Uh, probably very similar to the skills that like an EMT has, but it's geared more towards being able to provide those services like over the phone to talk someone through how to deliver a baby or perform CPR or the Heimlich maneuver, things like that. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, that's <laughs> a small little thing. So this, the, like the, the dispatch center you are, you are over, what is the geographical area that it covers? Uh, we cover just Provo City. Just Provo City. Mm -hmm. So does every town or how does that, how is it set up? So in Utah County, we have um, four dispatch centers right now. Uh, Provo City has their own. Orem City has their own. Springville City has their own. And then uh, there's an agency based um, kind of associated with the Utah County Sheriff's Department, but they're separate from the sheriff's department they're called central dispatch and they handle all the rest of like the smaller towns and unincorporated areas of utah as well as jubb county and i-15 kind no of they don't do i-15 well, okay. no highway patrol has their own oh, dispatch center. That's right. but their dispatch center is based out of salt lake they just drive through our city or our towns okay and then so on job training mm -hmm. Um, so, you, yeah, you like... get training on how to use all the computers, okay. how to run criminal histories, warrant checks, driver's licenses, things like that. What is the, like, the best skill or, I mean, that someone could bring? Is there, like, some kind of people skills that someone can have? What, so being what... a good multitasker is actually something that is very hard to train for and it's difficult to test for, but it's very highly sought after as a skill for a dispatcher. Just because you, ha you have to have an earpiece in and you're talking to someone on the phone, but then you also have to be listening with your other ear for radio traffic and you're typing at the same time that you're talking. And so it's kind of like if you can be in a room and have two conversations going on at the same time with two different people and you can do that well, it might be a good job for you. <laughs> so is that why there's mostly women? In I was just going to say, that's exactly correct. You know, in this area, yes, there is the majority of women that are dispatchers, but you kind of go back east and I think it must just be a regional thing because you get back east and it becomes a more predominantly male profession. Interesting. What is it, like six months that they spend on the console with... Their trainer? Yeah, so once you get hired on as a dispatcher, um, the training, the hiring process is that we'll put out a job notification that we're hiring. You apply with Provo City. Um, we accept the applications for two weeks and then we kind of screen out the applications. Like if someone didn't put their words per minute, 
um, or we'll send them a survey to say, okay, this job requires nights, it requires weekends, it requires you to work holidays and things like that, or can you meet these requirements? And then if they say yes to all of our questions, uh, we'll set them up with testing. Uh, we have a testing program that we use called Critical, and that is a national company that kind of tries to test multitasking as it relates to dispatch a little bit. Uh, you just do it on a computer in Provo City somewhere. We'll bring people in and set them up in a computer lab and do the testing. And then um, after the people who pass the test, they move on to an interview where it's usually myself um, and then a couple different representatives from the shared departments. And then after the interviews, we bring you on board and you have two weeks of in-house where we go over the policies and procedures and that's kind of what I'm in charge of right now. I'm in charge of recruiting and I, and training and I just got put in that position in September. So I'm still kind of trying to <laughs> figure out the ropes and everything but... It was, what's turnover like at a um, So with 911 centers nationally are pretty understaffed. I think that's kind of a standard thing. And I think that part why, of the reason why is, it understaffed? is that one, it takes a long time to get people trained. Um, like our training program lasts for five months in total before you're able to go and just answer the phone by yourself. Um, because we really want to try to make sure that you really know the job because it is such a stressful thing. We don't want to make you feel like you're thrown into the deep end without a safety net. Uh, so the training can be pretty intense. And then um, I think that it's a, pr a profession where people don't know about it um, unless they stumble into the job somehow. It's not like we joke at work. It's not like you're a little kid growing up wanting to be a policeman or a fireman. You know, there's no little kid running around their kindergarten class saying, I want to be a 911 dispatcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I think that if you get the job, you either know someone in the industry that has kind of like raised your awareness of this being a profession or you stumble into it like I did. Um, and then because of that, it may, it's not always a job for everyone. People don't necessarily want to talk on the phone to someone who's having the worst day of their life, but they don't know that until they get into the job a little ways. So I think um, with our center specifically, with our turnover rates, the first, like if they make it out of training, um, they'll usually stay at least three to five years is about our average. Um, and then we have a lot of like people that are higher in our center. Well, not a lot. We have several people that have gone into like the higher ranks. About 50% of our dispatchers have 10 years or more of experience. So walk me through kind of how it works. I'm, I've fallen down and I can't get up <laughs> at my house and I call. Like that process, I call, it goes. So what it does is it actually hits off of a cell phone tower. Well, I'm assuming you're calling from a cell phone because when I started, most 911 calls came from landlines, but 90% of calls now are based on cell phones. Um, so it will hit off of the cell phone tower and the cell phone tower will then route the call to the closest dispatch center. And so we'll get a lot of calls sometimes from people on the freeway just as they're driving because their cell phone tower has hit off of the location that's closest to Provo, so it sends it to Provo instead. Um, and then we can just kind of route it to where it needs to go. But you call, it hits off the tower that's closest to you, or sends it to the closest dispatch center, and then that's how it kind of 
routes yes, to the places that it needs to go. So does it does your systems like tell you where it's coming from or do you have to do you have to rely on the person calling to tell you where they're at? We always want the person calling to try to tell us where it's at just because um, the technology is great, but it also is fallible and it's not as great as the TV shows and movies make it out to be. So um, yes, that's like probably our biggest request that we have is that if you are able to say where you're at, like that's the very first question that we ask is what the address of your emergency is. And like, if we, ha if we know nothing else, we at least know where to send help and we can figure it out when you get like there. Like when they panic and drop the call and uh -huh. drop the phone or in the toilet. Or, or if their battery like is dying, like in yeah. Provo specifically, we have Y Mountain and Rock Canyon in our jurisdiction. And so you'll get a lot of people that will go up hiking, they'll stay out too late, then they try to come down in the dark. And it's a whole different world walking down a trail in the dark than it is in the daytime. And so we get people stuck up there. And their battery, because they've been out all day, has like 7% left. And so, yeah, location is very important. <laughs> What's the weirdest call you've ever got? Oh. <laughs> That's always um, a tough question. Right. I know there's probably a know. ton, but just or a weird, just, I mean, some, like a call that you may be thinking, really? I... Or something, or, or maybe the other extreme where like, Holy cow, this is really happening right in front of me. <laughs> Your girl that was in the park in Provo, the train that was high on marijuana. Oh, the one that was singing the Mr. Clean song yeah. to me? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so I had a girl one time, she wasn't in a park. Oh, she was calling from her apartment complex. Oh. She had smoked marijuana, thought it was laced with PCP because of the reactions that she was having. So she called 911, but then she was also very worried about getting arrested for having smoked the marijuana. <laughs> And wanted help but wouldn't give me her address and I spent about 20 minutes on the phone with her at like midnight one night trying to get her to give me her location and she just kept singing the Mr. Clean song over and over and over. I don't know the Mr. Clean song. Do you know the Mr. Clean song? Can you sing it for us? Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, da 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 I did not know that. It's, it's a funny call. She played me the tape when how long do the yeah the, the, the record? How long are the recordings kept? Are they, uh, so recordings just... in our center are kept for a year on an off-site storage system, and then if they're if we need them for like a court case or something like that, we can save them into a separate um, retrieval system, so that it's there for as long as we need it. But most calls are generally kept for about a year because they're stupid or yeah oh yeah. <laughs> what's, the lame, what's, what's the lamest thing that someone has called nine one one for? Oh. Um, I don't know what time the BYU game starts. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of an emergency. <laughs> I gotta know now. They should, were they serious? Oh yeah. What time does the game start? And tell me, I gotta know what your your reaction. Put, put was. the guy with the heart attack on hold. I need to know when the Y game starts. How do you? What do you say? We just say we need to keep the line open for emergency calls. So please call the non-emergency number. Were they offended by that comment? Um, no, not usually. They're usually pretty good to. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Oh, gosh. They really called 911 to find out when the game was. Did yeah. you think it was like maybe they thought they were calling 411? <laughs> I don't know. Yo. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I think Provo has the perception that it's 
a very good town with very low crime rates, which is on. true, yeah. but also not true. Like when you look at, like we're the busiest agency in Utah County. We probably rival every other agency, like central dispatch and their call volume, we probably rival it. So if you think every other call that's happening in the county at the same time, we're probably about the same. All right. So what's, why do you, why do you do, what's, what's the greatest like fulfilling factor of this career for you? Um, so that's kind of something that I have enjoyed focusing on just because like, this is a hard job. Uh, it burns people out really quick just because of like what they're exposed to and how hard it can be hearing some of the stuff that you hear. And so I was talking to one of my coworkers this week and we were talking about how everyone has the right to retire the job just as healthy as they started. And what I mean healthy, I mean like mentally healthy. Um, so that's kind of been a passion of mine is to try to make the place that you work enjoyable. And that's not to say that, you know, you're going to enjoy taking the domestic for the ninth time in a row from the same people and they just keep repeat offending over and over but the you know the people who get into this job I think universally across the board do it because they want to help people um and they just have well I think part of it is that I think everyone who enjoys the job is a little bit of an adrenaline junkie in the sense that like you hear the sirens and your first thought is oh, I want to know what's going on. Not, oh no, what might have happened? <laughs> um, but yeah, if you kind of like to know like the behind the scenes of things that are going on and the craziness that happens and you also want to help people. Do you feel like you're making a difference in the world with what you do? I do. I think that um, kind of talking in the mental health aspect. I'm sorry if my dog is snoring. <laughs> oh yeah, this is for those of you who are just maybe joining us. Uh, we have Snuggles here, who's the uh, the Perkins mascot, <laughs> and I don't know what kind of dog she is. Looks She's like a schnauzer. A schnauzer, and she is. She's a schnauzer Yorkie mix. Schnooky, schnorky. She's annoying. Anyway, she's making a lot of noise. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, sorry. So, I think um, that everybody wants to help someone, and that's not always possible. Uh, with the job just because at the point you know you can only do what you can do like there's always limitations there's always extenuating circumstances that mean that you're not always going to have the outcome that you want so that you can talk someone through CPR and it brings their family member back or there's always kind of bad outcomes and as I've kind of tried to focus on like mental health and stuff for my coworkers and our department one thing that I've noticed with our dispatchers is that the calls that they have the hardest time with, the calls that stick with them, are the calls where it had a bad outcome. And it doesn't matter if the dispatcher did everything perfectly or if she struggled with certain areas. Um, She'll still pick apart a perfect call and beat herself up over it because the outcome wasn't what they wanted. So I kind of try to focus on the idea that it's not always about the outcome of the call, but more about the fact that people call you on their worst day and they, the reason why they call 911 is because whatever circumstance they're in, whether it's finding out the time to the BYU game, 
whether it's that their cat is stuck up a tree or whether it's that they found a family member that has passed away, whatever circumstance it is that motivates them to call 911, it's because the situation they find themselves in has exceeded their resources. Uh, whether that's physical resources, emotional or mental resources, like they do not have the skill set or they don't think that they have the skill set to be able to handle this problem alone. And so I think if you focus on the fact that regardless of the outcome, you are helping that person on the worst day of their life um, and providing them with the reassurance that the people that can provide those skills are on their way and are coming, I think that that's where you find your win. Do you find that the 911 system is people that are they're using it, not effectively, but I guess or is it getting abused? Do you, is, do you think it's getting abused or is that something you even can tell or not? Um, so there's a lot of pocket 911 calls. There's a lot of... How is that possible? Don't you have to do like 17 <laughs> different steps? You would think, you would but think. the amount of times that I have been like listened to someone singing along with the car radio or walking across campus. That could be an or... emergency depending on how you look that's, at it. That's yeah. true. <laughs> can that's they, can true. they sing well? Yeah. This is definitely, you, you need to immediately the, stop. Call the cops. Right now. Yeah, pull this person over right now. Okay. Um, yeah, we get, we get those calls literally a dozen times every single day. And the best, like, the best advice for that I can say is it happens so much that we aren't mad that it happens. Just if you know that, like, if you accidentally call 911, tell us. Like, stay on the phone and say, oh, I'm sorry, it was an accident. And then we don't have to try to research who you are and send an officer to your location to make sure you're okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and like, and we get a lot of kids. Kids call. Yeah. Like the parents give their kids their cell phones to play with, and the kids push buttons, and suddenly it's calling nine one one. So we get a lot of that kind of stuff, but not as many people that maliciously abuse it with kind of the intent to tie up the emergency system. Like prank calling. Yeah. Know. There's a shooter at my neighbor's house. Yeah, I mean we have we have and do get those calls. It just isn't like a regular frequent occurrence that's a good thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so on the converse of that first question is like what's the most challenging and then this kind of leads into my next question about the effect that this has positive or negative on your family and then we can talk to reeds yeah. get reeds yeah, perspective chime on that yeah. chime in a little so what's the hardest most challenging thing you um have so i think every dispatcher has like kind of their worst case scenario call that for whatever reason, if they get that kind of call, it's going to be the one that's going to really stick with them and make them struggle. And whether it's the dispatcher that has just come back from maternity leave and then the first day back has to take a CPR on an infant call um, or someone whose family member has passed away and suddenly they're taking a call that just reminds them of that situation. Uh, for me, I think just, the ones that stick with me are always the stuff that involves kids. Just kids that don't make it, or yeah. kids, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> like I said, I want my job in heaven to be hugging the kids as soon as they show up and be like, "You're okay now. I love you. Here you go. Here's heaven. Welcome." It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. So you can be a, a the greeter, <laughs> the eternal dispatcher, the Walmart greeter of heaven. Oh, the Walmart greeter. <laughs> That's a good gig, though. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, how do you apply for that? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to find out. You just, you just check out. <laughs> you you become you become the caller on one of the bad callers that don't make it. Then you can get your that's <laughs> yeah. right. They're right. just going to bury me underneath the floorboards at work. <laughs> so, what kind of toll has this had on your family, if any? Reed, you would probably know that more than she would. <clears throat> I think, uh, for the most part, I think it's been really really positive. I, you know, it's always hard. Uh, in her 20 years, I think I can only think of a couple of times when she's come home upset, you know, with something that's happened. And again, generally, it was something that had happened to a child that was about the same age as Riley at the time. But she does such an amazing job compartmentalizing kind of what she deals with and, and having a positive attitude. That's one of the things that we love about her is she's always positive with her outlook on things. And um, But I, to me, I look at it like a positive. I... Um, I, for me, one of the biggest positives that I take away from it is uh, Heather and I are both fortunate to work in careers where we serve people and try to help people and, and happen to be in, in the arena you know, of emergency or, or really difficult moments that people go through their, in their life with Heather dispatching me at the hospital. But I think for Riley, um, I think that's a really good example. And Riley, for Riley is your son. He is the, the kid that is... The best, the, the best of the both of us. Three so. weeks away of being a yeah. 16-year-old son. Well, that's an emergency. <laughs> so yes. I was just going to say, we, that's our own personal I'm sure it's probably warped him a little bit, too. We were yeah. talking about this the other day at work with my coworkers uh, because one of their one of my coworkers has a child that's trying to learn their address, and I gave her my tip of what I did <laughs> when Riley was little, like kindergarten age. Um, and he was trying to learn his address and his phone number every night when he'd go to bed, part of our bedtime routine, um, would be that I would lay him in bed, we'd sing our songs together and then, um, we'd do a fake 911 call. <laughs> so I, we'd do like a little ring ring and I'd be like, 911, what's the address of your emergency? And then he would give us the address and the phone number, and then he'd be like, my house is on fire. And I'd be like, okay, you need to get out of the house right now. <laughs> so did he, so I, I, did he, he didn't like, get up and get out of the house, but that was like our nightly. <laughs> but he, he learned the address and the phone number. <laughs> so I'm sure it's probably warped him a little. <laughs> well, that's a, I think that's good. Between her and me being a nurse, I think he's a little... A little more adult than a typical 16-year-old probably is. But yeah, but I I think in a lot of ways that's good, though. I think it helps him realize that there are hard things in life, that people go through tragedies and emergencies and difficult things, and that you can overcome them, and there are people to help. And the interesting thing is to me is that as he starts to be old enough to think about his own career and his own life and what he wants to do... um, all the careers that so far he's talked about being interested in are service-based careers. And to me, I, that's something I'm kind of proud of. And I, I think a lot of that goes back to, to Heather's example, and I hope a little bit mine. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, being able to be in a position to really help other people and uh, do things that at their core kind of are Christ-like is, can't go wrong there. So I, like I said, I... I've seen very little things that uh, would be a negative as far as, as what Heather does, but I think Riley and I are both very proud to say that she does something that helps so many people. And, and the other thing that I always, in fact, I brag about Heather a lot with that is she never toots her own horn. Like, 
I always find out kind of after the fact, oh, I helped deliver this baby. Oh, I helped do this. And it's just like, what? Like, how did, how did I not hear about that? Like, you know. <laughs> you need to toot your own horn. Yes. There'll be no m- music. <laughs> yes. I know, right? It's okay. It's okay to do that. But no, she does, that. A, she does well, a great job. Well, the baby deliveries that we have in Provo yeah. are like... Well, because of Provo, uh, we're very, very quick at responding for medical calls and things like that. So if anyone is ever actually in labor, the medics get there so fast that we don't have very many deliveries. So the ones that we do deliver, it's like you pick up the phone and they're like, I can see the head. <laughs> and you're like, I assume that's the crazy husband calling. Right? Yeah, yes, usually, yes. All, all <laughs> the wife's calling. She's like, I can see the head. I'm like, well, you There's are a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whose head? Yeah, pick up the baby if you can see the head. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love it too because back when, uh, for, so for years, for the first what, 12 years I worked at the hospital, uh, we did neurosurgery, but we also had orthopedics. So we would get any of the traumas that would come in. And Heather, at that point, were days for a little while, and I, we would kind of work opposite shifts. And So I'd always know if I was going to have a tough day at work because Heather would come home and say, oh, we had all these car wrecks, and I'm like, oh, man, my floor is going to be full tonight. So basically, she's job security. She's job security. That's what I said. She, she, she sends them to me. She's, I send them home. Was that it's, a, it's like a sales pipeline. That's exactly right. right. Nice. We, had, we had a pretty good racket going on there for a while. But. Nice. That works, you know. Yeah. Some advice you would give to people. Everyone's going to have an emergency at some point. Everyone's going to have mm-hmm. to call nine one one at some point, or in, basically in, in any emergency, some counsel you that you've learned over the last twenty years on how people can, outside of these, stay calm. Yeah. Which is easy to say, but when someone's head's falling off, it's a little hard to. Yeah. So what? How? What would you counsel people? Um, I guess. From my perspective and the things that I tell the new trainees when they come into the job is if someone has, like if they're calling 911 for the emergency, obviously the address is the most important thing. So whether it's knowing where you're at, being able to pick up a piece of mail or something, know where you're at, that's going to be enormously helpful. But then if they're in a situation where like the person they're calling about is beyond help, Um, We don't want to hang up the phone with them because we want to just kind of be there with them until the ambulance, until the officers arrive. Um, But you also don't want to sit there on the phone and just have them staring at their loved one who has just passed away. Um, So what I try to do is we just try to talk to them and keep asking them questions or giving them instructions so that they have something else to focus on. Um, I think also... You know, again, not being a dispatcher, but I think in general with emergency situations with being a nurse, I think it's really critically important. And I tell a lot of my patients and their families, like, get first aid training, take a first aid class, take a CPR class so so that you aren't. It's amazing how, you know, even as a nurse, when you first become a nurse, you can have training. But when that moment hits and that, that emergency, that first time. And again, you know, like you said, you could say stay calm to anybody, but in that moment, no one's going to stay truly calm. It just doesn't happen. Well, we never tell them to stay calm yeah, because yeah. that's completely That just makes them freak out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think generally that's, you know, a lot of people around the scene or whatever, that's their thing. But I think the more educated you are on how to respond in moments like that, even if it's you don't remember every step, even if you don't remember every little thing, if you can at least feel like, okay, I know some information about what to do, how to stop bleeding, how to do basic CPR. I think those things are really critical, and especially if you have children. 
I think it's so important to have, you know, basic life-saving skills. You know, the dispatchers are going to do their amazing job and walk you through that anyway. But I think it gives you extra confidence to try to be a little calmer than normally you would be to have at least some kind of a background in that in that type of training uh, to at least have some idea what to do. And I think, you know, from my experience, actually being in a room with people when those things happen, it's amazing the more that you've had that education, that training, the easier it becomes. It never becomes easy by any stretch, but but it does become easier and allows you to, to think clear more clearly than you would normally. And well, I became an EMT four or five years ago, and one of the sole reasons was when I watched my dad be a volunteer fire, firefighter his whole life. Yeah. But it was so I wouldn't be a useless bystander with a cell phone. Yeah. And I... I let my certification lapse last year, but just the, the what I learned while doing yeah. it, yeah, I don't feel. I'm like I almost want to be the first on an accident. Yeah. We don't feel helpless. You yes, feel like that's you, the worst. It is to sit and watch somebody suffer, and because and not be able to do anything, especially when there's no one else around that might not be able to help. It is a it's a horrifying feeling. Yep, and you know to just be able to have enough basic knowledge to start the process while. The emergency services are on their way um, and, and to be able, you know, and again, to know that you have people like dispatchers that are there that can help walk you through those gaps you might have in your training and your knowledge. Yeah. Um, but you're at least doing something and statistics have shown, you know, all the training we get into the healthcare field shows the sooner CPR starts, the sooner you can stem bleeding, the, the sooner you can get people some type of treatment, even if it's the most basic things. The higher the, the higher the percentage of a good outcome is going to be, yeah. it might not necessarily save that person's life, but but the chances of that happening are going to be a lot higher, and uh, and so I I feel like uh, education is a key in a lot of things, but especially when people have moments of in an emergency, a real serious thing. Well, the whole time I was doing it, and this was both times when I wasn't on official duty, I'm like zero for two for CPR, but. Yeah. Knowing yeah. that I could at least give, try. give the old college try yeah. was huge. I mean, obviously, if that person's going to pass, they're going to pass. Yeah. But the fact that you at least tried makes a, a world of difference. Yeah. I mean, I've been in situations where I've had to give CPR work. And, you know, I knew the reality that the person that I was doing it on was probably going to pass. And a lot of times they do. But I've had countless times where family members have come up to me afterward of that person and said, thank you for at least trying. You know, I think it's the... It's, you know, our responsibility is, as human beings to try to do all we can to help. And sometimes it's the Lord says, hey, it's this person's time to go. But that doesn't mean that we can't try to do all that we can do to help. And and I know for me, as hard as it was to have those people pass, I at least felt like, hey, I tried to do everything that I could do to, to make sure that person was okay. And then you just have to understand that it was their time to go. Yeah, and you never have to wonder what if. That's right. <clears throat> because you did try. That's right. Um. What or any any as you kind of wrap this up, any like final thoughts you have about maybe not so much the the, the career but just humans in general that you guys have both learned in your medical, you know, the good, bad, ugly, whatever that you want to share. Um, I think the jaded jaded part of me wants to be like oh people are so frustrating because 
they call for the BYU game or things like that. But really, um, if I truly think about it, I think that every person that I have dealt with, um, ha- you know, like they have really, most of the time, really good motivations and they're good people and that they, like, I try to hold on to my humanity, so to speak, by um, being in this profession for so long, by really just trying to look at um, how good people are still. Like, There's a lot more good than there are bad. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I think for me, I just like Heather said, I, you know, it, I think it's really interesting when you work in an emergency services career. Uh, yeah, um, because like Heather said, you see everything. You see the worst of humanity. You see sometimes the very best of humanity. And I think sometimes it's very easy to get jaded. I think it is very, there's times where you just get, you know, to the end of your wits with, with situations and sometimes with people. But, but I also think, um, I look at my own experience and I think, how grateful I am to have that opportunity because I've had some of the most spiritual, amazing experiences giving care to other human beings. I think sometimes when you get that person that's just totally vulnerable, has gone through something really hard, and you can just see them struggling, and just the simple acts of kindness, just Christ-like kindness, um, it doesn't even have to be like, hey, I'm a trained nurse. It's just literally going in in the middle of the night and pulling up a chair next to somebody and talking to them, helping them deal with whatever huge thing, that that, that burden that they've got. Um, I've had some of the most uh, spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life in those moments. And it's, it's something that makes you thankful for and kind of uh, makes up for those other moments where it's really frustrating and you deal with tough stuff. But... I think at the core, when you when you work in emergency services and have the opportunity to help people in those moments of crisis, because it, in reality, when other time in life do people really deeply examine the big questions in life? You know, the, when we're going through it every day, we don't sit and think, what's the big picture here? Is there a heaven? You know, for a lot of people, you know, what have I done with my life? You know, but when people go through emergency things and they're they're dealing with that aftermath and kind of reeling from whatever it is that they've gone through, you really have an opportunity to have some pretty amazing conversations and moments with people. And I think, you know, for me and my core, and I know Heather's had experiences kind of like that, it it really makes all the other moments just totally worthwhile. And you realize like, hey, you know, I, I know for me, I'm thankful that I chose a career where I could help people through things like that. And even if it's, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist, or you know, really yeah, getting get yeah. to the root of things. Yeah, you are. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you both. We are do, we do to a degree, default. but yeah. But I mean, it's but just to just to lend an ear and say, hey, I'm sorry, or, or I, you know, I'm sorry you're going through that. What can I do to help you? You know, I'm sorry that you lost a loved one. I'm sorry, and just just be there to listen and be caring. Is it's amazing how much weight comes with that. It's amazing how much of a difference, even if it's just for five minutes, you can make in a person's life. And for me, thinking about all the different careers I could have chosen in my life, it's worth it just for those couple five minutes here or there when you have a moment like that. So uh, it's, I always encourage people, hey, if, you, if you're ever looking for a career when you're young, you know, really consider these things because, A, they're so important. They're so critical in our society that we have 
good people like Heather answering the phone when your world has just come to pieces to have somebody that's calm and caring on that other end of the phone and then know that you're going to have EMTs that show up that you know care about you and are trying to help you out and you're going to go to a hospital and have nurses and doctors that, that care about what happens um, you really have an opportunity to to make a really big difference in people's lives so you know glad I chose to do it well said yeah nice. <laughs> thank you guys so much for your time I appreciate it no problem and uh, and thank you to snuggle for being quiet <laughs> somewhat snoring and so. excellent thank you guys yeah thank you you're welcome Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.